Welcome back, Ross Connectors. I am your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by my beloved co-host for the first recording of the new decade, Mr. Josh Witt, hailing from Columbus, Ohio, the Andrew, heartland of America. Andrew, so good to kick off 2020 with you on Ross Connects. How were your holidays? The holidays were wonderful, you know. Got to overeat, overdrink, overstay our welcome at at uh, parents' houses. So it was just the typical American Christmas and New Year's. How how was yours? Mine. I saw I saw some nice uh, Instagram pics. Looks like you were enjoying some travel. Yeah, I did a little bit of traveling over. Uh, went back to Toledo area for Christmas, and then over New Year's, I went to Vail, Colorado, to. Um, realize how hard skiing is, <laughs> which is uh, was that the first time you had ever been skiing? Yeah, the first time. I usually, I think, I don't think that's where most people start. <laughs> so no, I yeah, that's like saying I'm I'm gonna play golf and like going to Augusta National and like for your <laughs> first experience. <laughs> yeah, it was very humbling. I was riding the chairlift with a bunch of seven year olds for like the first three days, um, but my network uh, with people under the age of ten is absolutely ridiculous now. So. Made oh a lot my of god! Friends. Do you have a lot of pen pals now? Yeah, a lot of pen pals. Are, are you on TikTok with them? Sending yeah. TikTok videos? I think that's yeah. what the are doing today. Yeah, I found the the best place on the mountain to do any TikTok video, and also uh, the hookup on Gushers. I had that the entire week too. So, oh, don't even tease me about Gushers. <laughs> I dream of them. That and fruit by the foot. <laughs> well, we've got we've gotten uh, sidetracked already in the first two minutes of our first episode of 2020. So. Uh, new year, same us. And <laughs> changed. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our guest. We had our lovely president, Miss Anne Marie McKenney, all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. I was outnumbered today from by Ohioites, but she did not disappoint. She brought the heat right away. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, I think everybody's going to get. A lot on Anne-Marie's story and just her energy throughout the episode as normal. She's always uh, high energy and really excited. And uh, just her path to Ross and her experience at Ross, I think, I think was Ross was pretty cool to hear about. Absolutely. She's one of the greatest ambassadors for the weekend MBA program. But just so I don't screw it up, let's, let's hear it right from her. Here's the interview with Anne-Marie McKenney. <laughs> New Decade, same podcast. We are back with episode 15 of Ross Connects, and by golly, Josh, I am excited for this interview. How are you in 2020, by the way? I've missed oh, you. Oh, great, dude. 2020, you know, just uh, like you said, new year, new us, and excited to have our, our guest on today and kick off the new year with uh, the one and only. Yep. So, I mean, that's a pretty good introduction, but we have our class president, two-time elected class president, Miss Anne-Marie McKenney, joining us live from Cincinnati. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm cracking up right now. I love this. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say New Year, New Me. I'm pretty sure it's New Year, same, same old me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm so very excited to do this. Well, thank you very much for taking time on your busy schedule to sit down with us and stare at our pretty faces for <laughs> you know the next 20 minutes. I can't think of a better way to spend a Sunday evening. <laughs> 
So let's just get right into it. Um, obviously, the majority of the class had the privilege of chatting with you at a variety of events and getting to know you, but on the off chance that there are some people that didn't get that privilege, um, how about you introduce yourself? Where are you from? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the small town of Holly, Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like 45 minutes north of Ann Arbor um, and about 50 minutes outside, like northwest of Detroit. Um, I lived in like my parents' starter home. They still live in that home, uh, like three or four blocks from my grandparents'. Um, in high school, I like danced competitively and, um, I played basketball when I was younger, but eventually like had to choose between dance and basketball. And then when it came time to like, look at colleges, I was actually hoping to pursue dance as a career. And so I went to Western Michigan, go Broncos, great fine arts school, great fine arts program. Um, with the intent of studying dance. Um, and yeah, Kalamazoo was a really cool fit for me. Um, cause it's kind of like a, a grittier Ann Arbor, if I could call it that. I always described it as like if Ann Arbor and Flint had a baby, uh, is how I would describe Kalamazoo. It's a cool town. And Western was a good fit for me because it was like a state school that was really big. My first like um, experience away at a university, I went to visit my brother when my older brother went to Oberlin in Ohio. And that school is like super tiny. There's like, I don't know, 1,200 students. And when I like toured that, I was like, this is not what I need. I need to be lost in a sea of people. I want new ideas, new experiences. Like I want to be one faced in like a sea of thousands. So yeah, uh, Western was like a good fit, met a lot of really great people. The dance department was amazing, but I eventually um, changed to major in public relations. And that kind of came about because I had done a lot of journalism in high school, really liked that, but I wanted to make sure that I could pay back student loans when I graduated and the economy was kind of starting to tank and... So I eventually switched to a major in public relations and um, it was a really good fit because it was business adjacent, but also like a social science in the School of Communication at Western. Um, I got to be a research assistant with Dr. Chad Edwards one summer, which was really cool. Um, I studied abroad in Rome and studied communication in Italian while I was there, which was cool. Um, Italy was amazing and, and that opportunity I don't think would have been as directly correlated to my studies had I, had I not done communications. So, um, yeah, I graduated in like the shittiest time probably given the economic downturn, not ideal, you know, uh, but it it worked out and I have no qualms about spending my four years at Western. So do you still use your dance skills? Do you uh, do any coaching for dancing? Have you seen her tear up dance floors? <laughs> oh, Come God. on. Um, actually, when I first graduated, I used my – because I still got my minor in dance, and I used that before I used my PR degree. I taught at a small studio uh, back in my hometown. Shout out to Starstruck Dance Center. It now no longer exists, but – 
um, I taught there for a number of years. So yeah, I did put that degree to use. I did. And so when I got in, oh, when God. I got into when I got into Ross, my mom was like, "Who would have thought our little dance student?" <laughs> like, okay, thanks, mom. Just getting that backhanded comment in. Yeah, I had to share. I had to share. Love you, mom. Yeah, love to mom. Thanks, Jane. So how long do you wait once you get done with undergrad before you go back and decide or start start thinking about an MBA? Oh, God. There was a lot of time there. Uh, in fact, like, so my first quote-unquote real job after undergrad, I worked at a financial advisory practice and, like, all these people that I worked with had MBAs and I was like, Ugh, I never want to be one of those people, <laughs> which is hilarious to think about. But like 22 year old me did not think that an MBA was cool or necessary or I don't know. Uh, and I think part of that was honestly, maybe me still being a little immature, uh, in some regards and like still figuring out myself. And, and also like, I think in some capacity, the, environment that, you know, the economy was in and, and just kind of where millennials in general were in terms of finding themselves and understanding that like a career and passion and kind of weighing all those things out and figuring out those things together. So I worked at this financial advisory firm for like two years. Then I worked at a healthcare startup for, I think like two, another two years. And then I eventually found myself at an experiential uh, marketing agency. And, um, that was like my first job that I felt like was really applicable to the skills that I learned in undergrad. And I really liked it. Um, and I worked for a CPG company was my biggest client and built like their first ever, um, physical space in the United States. It was out in New York city. So I would work in New York for part of the month and then be back in Detroit for the other part of the month. It was really cool. It was like, it seemed insane that I was like early 20s and had like 11 direct reports and like built this multi million dollar project. Um, I'm still so grateful for that experience. Um, I eventually left that agency and then went and did auto shows for a little bit at another agency and left, went to another agency. And it's just that agency lifestyle, it's not a great place to like really build a wealth, like a career in terms of of like your growth. They're not developing you as a person. It's like once the client changes, you have to change. And in order to move up, you have to move on. They don't really like hone you as a human being and you as a career person in that environment. You kind of have to hop around if, if you want to excel. And I really wanted out of that. Um, in my last agency I worked at, which was a very different agency, it was much smaller, um, much more of like a curated um, strategy and digital focused agency. And our primary client was um, Ford at the time. And I had met one of my clients who had just come out of an MBA program and was like doing their rotational program at Ford. And he was just so sharp and like seemed to have this like air of confidence about him and like he had gone to Ross. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And then I had a really good friend from high school who was actually just finishing up the program. And so I reached out to him. And this is like before I ever said anything to my husband. I like, there was like this little inkling in my mind that I was like, you know, I'm starting to get complacent. I don't do well with complacency. Like, what else is out there for me? So I like just called my buddy up 
His name is also Andrew. And yeah, they're good people, Andrews, right? Um, and I was just like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, is this for me? Am I crazy for thinking this? And like, he literally was like, no, like you have to do this. This is what you're supposed to do. I can't tell you enough, like do this. It's going to suck. It's going to be really hard, but you have to do it. And so he kind of over the course of like a month, he and I would just like talk periodically and and he'd tell me about like the ins and outs of like, this is what the GMAT entails. And this is what the interview entails. And this is what it means to recruit. And this is what it means if you don't recruit. And these are your options. And it was pretty much like, okay, I was getting married and like a week before my wedding, I like sat my husband down and I was like, so I'm going to go back to school. And like, that's what I'm going to do. And I hope that that's okay. And he was just like, uh, I guess, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's give that a shot. So yeah, it was kind of like, I stumbled upon it maybe a little bit later than some might have. Cause it was like a good, I don't know. When I was studying for the GMAT, it had been like almost seven, eight years since I had been in school. So that was interesting. Like I literally took a class to learn how to take the GMAT, like in a classroom. So, uh, but I made it and it was cool. And then I went to Ross and had a whole other, you know, experience. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, was it just Ross, Ross or bust from the get go? Um, (laughs) It it just sounds like, you know, you had these connections with people that had gone through the experience gone through the Ross experience and all or nothing. Yeah. Well, so like, it was kind of like, if, if I don't do well on the GMAT, like, because I only considered Ross mostly Mm -hmm. because I knew I could not quit my job. Like that was not an option. So I knew I could, I, I had to go part-time even if I had like a bomb ass GMAT score, which that was not going to happen. But you know, in theory, if it had, Um, but like, it just wasn't an option. And I knew I needed a a top tiered business school because of the outcome I was hoping to get out of it. I couldn't just do, you know, a run of the mill, not, not to degrade anybody else's degree. Like I'm not trying to act like another degree isn't a value or not work, but I needed it as like a recruiting launching pad. And I knew that that would come with that Ross degree. And going in, did you were you hyper-focused on getting into CPG or was that kind of an evolution over time, learning about what you liked, what you disliked, or, or was that, you know, day one, I'm going to Ross and I'm going into this industry? Uh, I knew I wanted out of automotive. Mm-hmm. I knew I liked CPG. I knew that Procter & Gamble in particular, being a person who had studied marketing for so long, like, Procter and Gamble has the biggest marketing budget of any company in the world. You know, they're the best marketers. They invented brand management. So like to me, it was like if I'm if I work in marketing and like this is like the Yankees of marketing, then that's what I want to do. Um and then when I got to Ross, I met with the career office and said, you know, I'm interested in CPG. I'm interested in Procter & Gamble in particular. And they were like, huh, well, if you don't get an internship, good luck. I was like, okay. So that took me down a whole other adventure. 
so when you first get to Ross, what was what was the first and second year experience, I guess, like for you, like maybe the the high and the low for you over the course of the two years? Yeah. So I guess maybe it's a little cliche to say this, but I feel like my highs came from my lows for sure. So like, and don't be scared to say Andrew and I for the highs. We've, we've heard it a million times on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, and we don't get sick of hearing it. You we were definitely vain. there. You were definitely there for some of those highs for sure. But I think I definitely had like some initial, um, imposter syndrome for sure. Um, but I think one of my biggest low points was probably over the summer during my internship. Um, because I was, you know, not living at my house. So like my husband and I were like living in two different places. I was working in Toledo. I was going to school still. I was working, um, like the hardest I had ever worked at that point in my internship because you're trying to prove yourself to like seal this job. And I was just like completely burnt. Like I did not know what exhaustion was. And I think the high for me coming out of that, I was able to lean in on that team so much. And like, I had such a fruitful internship experience. Like I would not trade that internship at Owens Corning for the world. Like that was an amazing internship and I learned so much. Um, and I think that they have a great internship program. Um, and I think it really was the best thing to prepare me for what I'm doing now. So, um, but like coming back to like the high coming out of it, I leaned in really hard to that team that summer. Um, shout out to Tim Bader, uh, who like saved my life once or twice in that summer. Um, and may, maybe that came around again to help him out in some capacity later on in the program. I don't know. But um, that was a really tough semester for me because I just felt like I was being pulled in like a thousand different directions. And it was the people that I had like bonded with, you know, my map team, I was able to lean in on them. Um, I was able to lean in on just like that whole entrepreneurship cohort was just like, we were a little bit smaller. It was kind of a unique setup and um, it was like my favorite semester because of the classes, but it was just the hardest for me. So, uh, and then like, I mean, yeah, I could, I could go on, I could go on, but. Thank you for the map team shout out. I, oh. I, I was feeling a little lesser, so <laughs> always good to pump the ego. Um, one question that kind of came to me recently is, you know, what's the thing you miss most about being in the weekend program? Uh, and then you can also answer with what do you miss the least? And yeah. if it's not case studies, I, I'd be very surprised. Um, I mean, I don't know if I absolutely like don't miss case studies. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I listen to enough podcasts. It's like they're reading me a case study. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this podcast, by the way, does is in my top, you know, 15 podcasts. I listen to the decade. I mean, I, I listened to like 30, so that's pretty good. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) we'll take it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. 
so what I miss the most and what I miss the least, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, hands down the people. I know that that's, again, cliche to say, but like when I came into that program, I was very intentional in that I didn't, I wanted to come in with like an open um, view and like if I was going to be like a 100% yes person, if somebody asked me to coffee, I was going to go. I didn't care who they were, what they did, what their background was. If I thought that I was actually going to be friends with them or not, I was saying yes, because like I was, you know, I had been out of school for a long time. I wasn't, I just wasn't in a, in a position to turn down potential friendship. And so like, I just kind of went in with that mindset of like, I'm going to say yes to everything and meet everyone and be like open to being friends with anyone and and see where that gets me. And I think it paid off. I feel like I didn't close myself off to a lot of people. And I feel confident in being to say that like, at some level, I feel like I got to know the majority of our class, like more than just like, where, what's your name and where do you work? Um, so, and that's been hard coming to a new city now. And like, seeing there's like this contingency of people in Chicago that like still get to have their like Ross crew. And then there's a contingency of people in Detroit who still get to have this like Ross crew and their lives continue on and their friendships continue on, which is amazing. And I'm so happy for those people, but, um, that's been, that's been tough. I think, um, luckily over the holiday break, when I was back in Michigan, I got to catch up with, a a number of people, which was, which was nice. Um, but yeah, the people is for sure what I miss. What I don't miss is the fucking parking. I have no We're problem. Gonna that silence. We're just going to let it. Yeah. Let it wow. I, is there, is I, there anything else to say? I, I just had PTSD <laughs> thinking about it. Oh yeah. I don't miss that. Like, I would get there obnoxiously early and sit in line to get into the parking structure. That's, I'm sorry, but. You'd think they'd be able to build a couple more levels. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah. And maybe put a sky bar at the top. I don't know. Well, I mean, what's better than a... uh... An F-150 with beer and pizza in the back. I mean, that's, maybe, that's maybe. a sky bar. Sure, sure. Okay, so, cool. so at P&G now and working um, on a particular brand, so what are the goals for the future? Do you want to stay on this brand? Do you see yourself moving up within the company? I mean, I would love to stay at P&G long term. Uh, it's pretty competitive. Um, so far, I love Cincinnati. So like if I could stay at P&G, stay there long term, that would be ideal. Um but who's to say what the future might hold? I mean, like I said, 22-year-old me thought that getting an MBA was ridiculous. And look at me now, you know? So I would never say never. Um, I love being in CPG. I love being in brand management. Um, and I love the brand that I'm on. But uh, you never know what, what the cards might hold. I, I, there were so many things that we got like a little taste of at Ross, um, especially in terms of like the entrepreneurship side of things that, you know, who's to say like down the road, if the right opportunity didn't present itself, I wouldn't take advantage, but. Amazing. Well, we're excited to see where you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I had a really good question. Oh, let's go back to 2017 beginning ah! the program. Yeah. 
what was the motivation for running for president? Was it to get involved or you thought like, hey, oh. I've made a lot of friends already. Maybe, no. maybe I could win this thing or no, that was definitely not just it. getting outside <laughs> the box and like seeing what happens. I think I, I remember like grappling with that choice up until like literally you had to like turn in your application at like 1130 that night and it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And it was more so again, because I had gone, come in with that mindset of like, I'm going to be that yes person. And there's no reason for me not to. And it was more so because like, I did want to be involved and I just kind of wanted people to know, like, even if I don't win, like I'm somebody that you can count on to plan shit. And like, I'm somebody who believes in camaraderie and, you know, values friendship and, and believes that just as much as the skill set that we're going to learn in the classroom, us just spending time together. And I wouldn't even say networking. I would just say like hanging out and just being humans going through this crazy ass experience together at the same time is enough that I'm, I'm willing to put in some time and effort to like cultivate that friendship. I very much like that answer. So, well, thanks. I'm going to remain unbiased on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I always was curious because it was so early on in the program. You know, we're trying to make new friends. There's still everyone's probably going through the imposter syndrome and trying to prove how smart they are to one another. And yeah, yeah it just was so early. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of crazy, and I can remember like when I. <laughs> did it. And then when I won, I was like, why? Like how? Nobody, like how do people even know who I, and then the first time I ever talked to Roxana, I sat down next to her at, um, at a bar after class. And she was like, hi, I'm Roxana. And I voted for you cause you're a girl. And I was like, cool. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not mad about that. So, you know, it worked out. Yeah. We're really happy you made that choice. Best president. <laughs> well, obviously the best president we had, but I, I venture out to say best president Ross has had. Wow. I'm thanks. Yeah. I had a great experience, but you know, again, that's, I think that that was just that we had a really good mixture of people. And I've said this, people have asked because I'm kind of old in terms of like MBA hires at PNG, and people are like, well, why didn't you think about going back to school sooner? And I'm always like, ah, Maybe I should have. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Then I wouldn't have met, like, I would have not had this exact cohort of peeps to, like, be there with me, get in the trenches with me. I wouldn't have, like, cried myself to sleep with Josh and Simon. Like, you know, I wouldn't have had those experiences had I not gone at this time in this moment. And so, like, yeah, am I old and should I have gone sooner? Maybe. But, like, no, because friendship. Nice. Mic drop on that one. I don't know. <laughs> any, uh, any closing remarks you want to leave our classmates or Patty or John Brandt, who we're sure are listening right now? Oh. Or potential students. Maybe like, there are people <laughs> listening to Lord, this, I hope not. <laughs> this expert podcast on how to go to Ross. I feel like I feel like this is probably your least professional episode, guys. I'm so sorry. Um 
And I'm also, just so we're clear, I'm participating in dry January. So I am under no influence of anything. This is just pure excitement to, to like <laughs> talking with you guys. Um, no, uh, definitely huge shout outs to Patty, Diane, and Anne. Oh my gosh. I love those women. Um, and John Branch too. I don't think I would have like had the guts to be like, I'm going to quit my job and, you know, do an internship had John Branch not like sat me down and been like, you need to do this. So no, um, I think one of my new years, like I did say new year, same, same old me, but maybe the, maybe one of my things for the new year needs to be like, I felt, I felt like I was a little lax maybe on the, on the cohort connection stuff. So need to revamp that a little bit more. The podcast has been holding it down for too long and we got one, we got one newsletter out, but we need to, we need to step our game up. So we'll see what comes in 2020. Yeah. Get it together. Together, Keegan. God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we called out so many people in this episode. I feel like, I hope you should say their name in the credits. Well, hopefully they listen to the episode and oh. just hear it throughout. And then, you know, we get you a little more participation. A they share with their families, like all that good stuff. Yeah, because you know on like Radiolab, sorry, I'm getting, if you need to go, I'm sorry. But on Radiolab, fans of the show call in to say the credits for the podcast. Could be a good thing for you guys to like. Like Ooh. maybe one of Rory's kids wants to call in and read the credits or something. <laughs> Just throwing out ideas here. How many more names do you think I can say in this time? Well, how many were in the cohort? 110? 120? Uh, I think it was 113 at graduation. 113. And yeah. I I'd go out on a limb and say you're you're near 20. So far, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, Anne Marie, we love you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us this evening. Always good catching up, and then I get to see Josh's beautiful face. Yeah, this was a treat. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Sorry that I just completely annihilated your podcast. You said you were going to be real, and this is the most real I could have. Like, if you asked me beforehand what the podcast is going to sound like with Anne-Marie, I I could paint this word picture for you. (laughs) We're just happy to be chatting. It's, It's amazing. Awesome. No need to apologize. The only thing I'm upset about is Jashi, where my favorite dairy consumer on this planet. Where's your dairy at? Is it, I know. Do you have I'm Do not. you have a smoothie nearby? I have a. Uh, well, actually, I got me a cup here. Is <laughs> <laughs> it chocolate milk? Oh uh, yeah, it was pretty much chocolate milk. It was like a healthy version of chocolate milk. Literally keeping the dairy industry alive, Joshua. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Hey, I, I do it for the people. I didn't care about them, you know. Um, You're a man of the people. You really are. Yes. I'm here to serve, so. All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Thanks, Keith. Keith can't hear you. <laughs> just, just wave at him for us. All right, everyone. This has been episode 15 of Ross Connects. We'll chat with you guys again soon, but finish with Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.